Saturday to begin out um, on the street at noon to give out invitations and do some extra evangelism. That was a result of the, the discussion we had on Thursday night. And I should say, I'm very grateful to know that um, Jacob has made some notes about Thursday night that he's happy to share with folks if they need them. And we've also got an audio recording of the discussion if you need it as well. Sorry, Pro. That's all right. It is always good uh, to gather together to remember the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was certainly blessed this morning with the ministering of the Holy Spirit, uh, remembering the Lord. There's nothing like remembering the Lord, isn't it? It's absolutely unique exercise. We're very grateful to our brother Sid uh, for opening the book of Corinthians and giving us a very good, rich background of... Uh, the things that are dealt with in Corinthians. So we will start to deal with the issues one by one uh, as we go through the chapter. Let us remember that one, Church of Corinth was a real church. Two, these things are written down for us. One of the things that I, maybe it's because I'm getting old, is that I am pressing very hard in my heart, is that the things that we read in scripture, they are really for us. If God did not want us to know these things, he wouldn't have put them. There are many things that were not put down in scripture. John tells us that the Lord did a lot of things. No books would contain them. But God, by his spirit, selected things and put them down for us. We cannot take them for granted. We do not read these things so that we can finish, finish the chapter, so that we can go through the Bible. That's not the reason we do it. We read these things because we want to know what God is saying to us. And these things should impact us. They should challenge us. They should change us. We talk about wanting to be more like Christ every day. There is no way that I know of that we can be like Christ than reading from his word. So as we go through these things, forget about the speaker. Let us listen to what God is trying to say to us. And let us be teachable. The reason I'm saying this is because I was rebuked um, myself last night when I was preparing for this message and I realized how woefully I am in my conduct sometimes when actually scripture is spoken about the things that I know in my life I could do better. So I hope the things that we're going to deal with, we're going to take them, and there will be many more that we're going to deal with, but let, let us take them to heart and that they should affect our lives. My portion for, the, for today is verses 10 of chapter 1 of First Corinthians, verses 10 to verses 17. So I'm going to read uh, from... My Bible, you can follow it in yours or you can just listen to me. Now, this is the Apostle speaking. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions or schisms among you, 
but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there be contentions amongst you. Now this I say, that every one of you said, I am of Apollo, I, I, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And as always, we pray for the Lord's blessing for the public reading of his word. Oh, precious Lord, we thank you that we are loved by you. And therefore, Lord, we shall never lack. Help us this morning, Lord, not to lack wisdom. Help us, Lord, this morning not to lack to hear what you have to say to us. Prepare us, Lord, in the most wonderful and precious name. Amen. Now the apostle, Paul, the apostle now is going to deal with the first, this first issue is going to stretch actually several chapters. The issue of division is quite, extends all the way to even chapter 4 even. Now the apostle with all the authority that he has as an apostle, he could have come down with a heavy hand and basically read the riot act, so to speak, unto them. But not so, not the apostle. We see here the compassion the, and the affection that is in, in his heart, even as he deals with this church that is in many ways not doing what he's supposed to do. He shows the patience that I don't have. He shows the gentleness that I should have that you should have towards one another. He shows the fact that we are clay. We are not perfect. Most people are reasonable. Maybe we should start from there. Because one of my problems is sometimes I can have an attitude towards People, maybe even fellow believers. And that will determine how I re react towards my fellow believers. If I have a bad attitude towards you, and if you were to do something that is erroneous, then I'll say, aha, uh -huh. you see? And I would come down with a heavy hand on you. That is my nature. That is what my impulse tells me. But the apostle comes to the saints here at Corinth. He has called them, I can call them saints because the scripture calls them saints. So he has come to the saints here who are actually behaving in very abysmal way. 
But he talks to them in a very loving and tender manner. I beseech you, brethren. Now, there is nothing that would unite us if it wasn't for the name of the Lord. The apostle would have no interest in these people at Corinth if it wasn't for the name of the Lord. We would have no interest in each other if it wasn't for the name of the Lord. I would have no business being patient with you. I would have no business being tolerant towards you. would have no business being kind towards each other if it wasn't for the name of the Lord. If we profess the name of the Lord amongst ourselves, we are binding ourselves to a pledge towards one another that we will love each other to the end. We will love each other regardless of the many faults and failures that we, have, that we have amongst ourselves. So he beseeches them and he lays down the foundation why he has to be patient with these believers. Why he has an interest with these believers is because of the name of the Lord. That you speak the same thing and that there be no schisms amongst you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. During World War II, the Allies joined themselves together against a common enemy, Nazi Germany. Now, even though the Allies were fighting against a common enemy, they were not really like-minded, were they? The unity was a unity of convenience for the purposes of defeating the common enemy. They were not really like-minded. They were not really of the same judgment. They were not perfectly joined together. But it was an alliance of convenience. This became very apparent and very obvious as soon as the enemy was defeated. Fissures, divisions, immediately became to the surface. This is not so in the house of God. This is not so in his church. We are not joined together by convenience. Our unity is not a unity of convenience. Our unity is real. Our unity is true. Our unity is tangible. Our unity is perfect. Our unity is not because we speak the same language. Our unity is not because we have the same backgrounds. Our unity, as long as and as it is because of the name of the Lord, we are so united to one another 
that I don't know the difference between Rana and Brother John. I don't know the difference between Brother Sid and, 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 and Sister Janet. Our unity is so perfect because of him that is amongst us that we should see it. We should live it. We should express it in its reality for the truth that it is. We don't pretend to one another. We love each other genuinely. Now, what we're going to see here is that division is a very common feature, even amongst churches. I mean, you can see by the number of denominations that are out there. They are very common. But this is not to be so. Scripture would remind us in Ephesians that we are one body. I don't know how you understand this. These are the things that the apostle is going to build them up all the way to chapter 12. Talking about the body. We have heard here series about local assembly. What the church is. Because it is a very essential as a practicing assembly that we understand the unity and the bond that we hold towards one another as a local assembly. Because this is what the Lord intended and wants for us. But it was not so in Corinthians. There were schisms. And as we are going to go through this, we realize that actually none of these things are actually spiritual. Most of these things are actually, they are really carnal. The things that are causing the divisions here are really carnal. It's not, it's not, yes, we do sometimes see verses differently. At least we can discuss that. I can understand, we do understand that we can see things differently based on scripture. And we can discuss those. That is okay. The unity here that is spoken of is not uniformity. It's not uniformity. We shouldn't dress in the same with the same tie. I don't know if you like my tie. But imagine if all of us were wearing the same tie, we're wearing with the same jacket. This is not what he's talking about. That is not unity. That is uniformity. That's not what is being spoken of. But here is spoken of the unity of oneness in Christ. But the fissures that were coming here were all carnal. Verse 11. The apostle does something that is very challenging to me. He reports that he is aware of these divisions because of the house of Chloe. What do you say about that? What I see from here is, I remember during my early days when I was saved, I remember someone saying to me, if you cannot talk about somebody, about if you cannot say something about somebody in their absence that you cannot say in their presence, then there is no place for you to say it. If I can't say something about a member of the faith that I can't say in their presence, maybe there is no place for me to say it. It would be good practice, I think, if such 
honesty and transparency would be a habit of practice amongst believers. How many times do we say things about each other that we wouldn't say in their presence? Now, this is different from family relationships. Parents can discuss their children. It's legitimate. And they may not say the things that they discuss about their children to their children openly. But this is a different setting. This is a setting of the bond that puts us together. Those that are in the family because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we relate to each other and how we relate to each other as believers. We cannot talk to each other about each other what we cannot say about each other in each other's presence. If you are going to say something about a fellow believer, be willing to be quoted. If you are not willing to be quoted, you better keep quiet. I think it's good advice. I think it would avoid a lot of things that happen in the house of the Lord. And I think it would foster stronger bonds towards one another. Scripture does talk about errors that are in, in the assembly, how they should be handled. doesn't mean that we should keep quiet when we see uh, fellow believers doing wrong things. No, we don't keep quiet. We can still do things. We know that. Scripture lays out how you can do these things. We can try and encourage one another to bring each other into the right track. We can do these things. But it is these accusations that we make against each other that we only want to do them behind the scenes. We don't want to do them in the open. It causes harm, folks. You know, trust is one of the most fragile things that you can have in a relationship. When we backbite each other, we destroy trust to one another. It takes ages to build trust. It can, it can only take one instance to destroy it all. We have to give ourselves maximum effort to retain bond of unity and peace. Now, this is the members of the assembly at Corinthians that are dividing amongst themselves. But also equally, now as we look at the things that they are dividing about, equally, those that they are being divided about have a responsibility. Now, this I say that every one of you, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I, I of, G, of Christ. Now, what, the, what is the apostle saying here? The apostle Paul could have adopted a different attitude. He could have said, oh, okay, you are dividing yourselves between myself and, and, and Cephas and Apollos and so forth. You know what? You know I am the apostle. 
So this is, these that are on my side, these that, 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 that are for me, they are the ones that, you know, you have to listen to. They are right. Because I am sent to the Gentiles. I am the one who sent to the Gentiles. So I am right. Or he could have been quiet altogether. After all, he's being esteemed here. Abed, amongst others. But he's being esteemed here. But what we see here is that the apostle does not delight in the fact that people are dividing themselves because of his name. What he sees here, he sees that now people are, go, are lifting up his name to an extent that his name is causing division. And he's once, he is distancing himself from that. You cannot do that, not in my name. I think, I think it is good, good practice. If within an assemble, people are dividing themselves, grouping themselves towards certain members of the assembly, I think it is the responsibility of the elders to say, not in our name. You cannot do this in our name. We don't go about then going to those that are on your side and you have secret discussions with them and say, you know what, you, you are right. No, don't listen to them. You know, no. We, the, the elders should step up to the forefront and say, we can't do this in the house of the Lord. Not in our name. Why? Because it is never about us. It is never about anybody. It is always about him. Isn't it? It is always about him. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You would remember, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in Mark 9. When the disciples went out there and they saw somebody preaching. And then they came back to the Lord and said, ah, we saw this fellow preaching. But he was not one of us. So we stopped him. We forbade him. Because the disciples, they thought, because they are the disciples of the Lord, because they are the twelve, they are the chosen ones, yes, they are the disciples, yes, they had a privileged position as the disciples. They thought that the Lord was the only for them. Only them were the, were, are the ones who are to speak for the Lord. The, the Lord is a, their private, private Lord. But the Lord's response to them was, not so. These ones are not against us. Brothers and sisters, there are many brothers and sisters that are out there that are doing the same fight that we are fighting. We are no better than them. If anything, we should applaud them. We should applaud them. I am of Cephas. I am. No. It doesn't matter. It is not about their names. All these groups, they don't matter. It's all about him. If they are doing the work of the Lord, I am happy. One of the things that we should resist 
is to have our names lifted up. It is very easy to be puffed up. It is very easy to draw attention to ourselves. The Lord spoke of a man who is the greatest of all men born of a woman. John the Baptist. Do you know what he said when they came to him and they said, Ah, you know what? Do you remember that fellow who are, whom you baptized this other day? He is baptizing more people than you. His response was, He must increase. And I am happy to decrease. Scripture doesn't say much about miracles, about John the Baptist and all that. But John the Baptist knew his place. There are different talents here amongst ourselves. God has gifted us different gifts. I don't want your gift, dear sister and brother. I will cheer you on on your gift. Go for it. If your gift is such that it brings 15 people into this hall and I have brought none. If your gift is such that your entire row of houses in your street ends up knowing the Lord and I have been here 20 years, I can't get one person. Is your gift is such that every young people come to you and asking you questions. Nobody comes to me to ask me questions. You know what? I'll cheer you on. You have to understand this dear saint. It's never about us. It is always about him. Taking the platform here, I do it. I delight to take the platform because the Lord has put me in this place. But believe you me, I would rather have any other brother here take the platform. And I will cheer you on. Standing up to pray in the morning is not a preserve of me. Every brother here can stand up and pray and I will cheer you on. I would rather be silent. I would rather people do not even know that I was here. But I see the hand of the Lord operating here at Benjamin. It was never about Paul. It was never about Apollos. It was never about Cephas. When you get, it's, it, the things are so bad at Corinthians that here the apostle ends up distancing himself to say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. When you get to chapter 4, things are so bad that the apostle is having to take away things away from them. And he's saying, follow me. This assembly was a mess. I remember when I, when I got saved, and believe it or not, when you, when, when you have just been saved, you think you can do anything. 
and I thought I could play the piano. So there was a, a there's a piano in the, in, the, in the main in the main church that I was saved in, and so I used to come during the week to play the piano, try and practice. Obviously, didn't work, did it? And there was somebody in the church who had the keys to the room that had the piano, right? And it was a fight to get access to the piano. Some would get it, some would not get the keys. Some would get the keys, some would not get the keys. It was a fight. And in the end, one of the pastors, they ended up taking up the key themselves and opening the door for everybody. He is having to take away from the person who had the key because the person is so immature. In chapter 4, we see the apostle having to take away to say, instead of you being role models, follow me in this. You are so mixed up that you, are, you can't even be trusted to, 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 to rise up to maturity, to, to set an example for yourself, that he is ending up having to point to himself. I hope and I pray that as an assembly, we don't become such people. As the Lord will bless us, there will be young people that will come in and the young people should be able to look at the already here young people and admire them and follow them. Not because they are making a name for themselves, but because they admire the Lord that is in them. But here, as we look here, the apostle is having to distance himself because now they see the work of the apostles and they now lifting up the man rather than the Lord that the apostle wants them to see in their lives. And there's just a side point here that I want to mention about baptism. Just as a side point here. Baptism doesn't save us. If baptism was essential for salvation, the Apostle Paul would have been invested in baptism. But baptism is just the outward declaration of the salvation that has already happened in us. This is why the Apostle has no qualms that he didn't baptize many. Because baptism is not what saves us. But he is called to preach the word. Verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Christ has sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. How do people get saved? They get saved when they hear the gospel being preached, the message of salvation. That's how people get saved. People don't get saved by being baptized. People get saved when they hear the gospel. And this is the fundamental and the central purpose of Paul's life. 
to preach the gospel. May the Lord forbid that we should stop preaching the gospel here at Bensham. We will always preach the gospel because that is our very first primary responsibility to the world. Yes, we will grow ourselves to the Lord, but our responsibility to the world is that we should preach first. And the second thing to note here is that he does not preach with wisdom of words. Now we should understand the context of the Corinthians. These people were steeped in philosophy. At this age, philosophy was their God. I don't know if you've been uh, listening during this COVID um, season. There was uh, this mantra of follow the science. Follow the science. Because science is the God of this world. What science says, it is true. So the people of Corinth were the same. In that day, philosophy was the truth. And when people heard the gospel, because of its simplicity, to them, they tried to intellectualize it, to try to bring it to the standard that is to the world acceptable and considered to have gravitas. They tried to raise, to, to try and change the gospel to make it look sophisticated so that it will be acceptable to the world and it will be considered to be of worthy, to be considered to be of worth, so to speak, to, to, be, to, to be debated in human society. The things of God are not complex, folks. The things of God, they are not to be intellectualized. The gospel is very simple. And we should be always uh, very on the lookout never to try and conform the things of God to the world standard. The temptation is very, very high. But we should resist to keep the things of God pure as they are. It is not fashionable nowadays for sisters to cover their heads. You know that. I know that. The society that we live in, the times that we live in, dictates that not to be acceptable. But we should guard the things of God to keep them pure as they are. We know the things that the society wants to push into our lives, into our homes, into everywhere. The church at Corinth was trying to make the gospel sophisticated enough to be accepted to the intellectuals. But the Apostle Paul says, no, I'm not going to come to you with wisdom of words. Why? Because lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. What does that mean? Once we try to change the message of salvation in its simplicity, to make it look like something else that we can win people with, once we try to win people by sophisticating the gospel, then those people are not captured by the power of the simplicity of the gospel. 
Those people are captured by the sophistication that we have presented them with. And that is not what sells man and woman. If we are going to change the gospel to become something else that the world can relate to, that is not what the gospel is of the Bible. Then the cross of Christ is of none effect. What we are preaching is something else. What we are preaching is not the pure and sincere, simple word of salvation. May the Lord help us. And may the Lord brand these things into our hearts. Because I believe more than maybe ever before that God is speaking to us very emphatically in these last days in his word. The things that we read here, they may have happened in the past, but they are so real to us today. And God wants us to take them seriously. Let there be no division amongst us. Let there be no preeminence in the house of God. Let there be no tailored, sophisticated preaching of the gospel that destroys the simplicity of the cross that any man, any woman can be saved by. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and our good Savior, we know that we know very little our understanding is finite, but Lord, you have given us your word.